Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. I am delighted you are with me. Hey, before I dive into my topic for this episode, let me make sure that you men in particular know that I do a podcast for men, and we do something very unique. It's called the Great Man Podcast. We run those words together, capital G-R-E-A-T, capital M-A-N, the Great Man Podcast. I explore a topic for men one week, and then two of the final finest men's coaches I know, Anthony Flemons and JT McCraw, massage it into men's lives, coach men according to that topic. I'll tell you what, it's changing lives. It's helping to stop this descent of men in our time. And I'll tell you what, it's getting a lot of attention. Our numbers are really growing. want you to be involved. The Great Man Podcast. Be there, man. You don't want to miss it. Listen, I want to do something in this Stephen Mansfield podcast that I don't often do. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever done it. And essentially, I'm going to talk about our specific choices of political candidates for the 2024 presidential campaign or 2024 presidential election. I I just want to make sure that I am clear from the beginning. As I sit here in our studios in Washington, D.C., there is just under 500 days before the 2024 presidential election. So this is a good time to adjust just our approach to think things through and for me to say some things uh, that are kind of tough and like I've not said before. So let me dive in. I believe it is time for the Republican Party in America and for many Americans, even outside the Republican Party, to say thank you to Donald Trump for the good that he did and no longer consider him a viable candidate for president in 2024. Now, I am grateful for some of the good things that the Trump administration did. God knows it was chaotic. God knows the man is just an odd personality. God knows there was chaos and insult and immorality and lawsuits and bombastic language and vileness and all kinds of stuff we can get upset about. But right now, I just want to say I'm grateful for the good that the Trump administration did. And by the way, I'm not sure they've got credit for some of the stuff they did. I work a lot in the Middle East. The Abraham Accords and some of the other things happening in the Middle East were some of the best we've ever seen of diplomacy, U.S. diplomacy in the Middle East, Um, the support for Israel. There are some other things in which they did a good job. They raised the issue of financial support for NATO. They raised the issue of Canadian involvement and Canadian support and our relationship with Canada and our trade deals with Canada. Good things. It was good that Trump brought his businessmen's gifts to the White House and raise some concerns. Now, he was rude, and he was harmful, and he was bombastic, and he made asinine speeches at the UN, and I could go on and on with the negatives. But right now, I just want to say there were some good things that administration did. I'm grateful. We can tell some of the good that he did with the contrast with the Biden administration, for example, on our southern border. It's a disaster. 
So I want to just start by being positive. The Trump administration did some good things and we should be grateful. Now, I'm very, very aware of the negative. I've told you before in this podcast, I was almost killed by one of Trump's ridiculous overnight reversals on policy. He decided to yank U.S. troops out of the border region between Turkey and Iraq, wanted to get us out of supporting and, and protecting the Kurds. I was on the ground in northern Iraq at that point in Kurdistan. It was very dangerous. I'm not trying to give you some Indiana Jones kind of adventure story. It's not like I was dodging bullets, but we were all suddenly under threat and had to get out within a few days because Trump overnight, having not consulted hardly any of his advisors or generals, decided to yank the 1,500 or so U.S. troops who were providing uh, support and security, and lives lives were lost as a result. So I'm very aware of his weaknesses. We all know his foibles. We all know the uh, contours of his soul to some degree. Uh, we know the immorality. We know the language, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on forever. Believe me, the press is rehearsing it constantly. So I want to say thank you, and then I want to urge us to let the man retire politically. Because what's happening now in the GOP is, quite frankly, uh, some of the press who hate the GOP and hate Trump have put a good phrase on it. The GOP, the Republican Party, is in danger of becoming a Trump cult. And he's not the only option we have. And he's not the future. And he is not somebody to which we should hitch our wagon. Now, I am barely in the Republican Party. I'm definitely a conservative, definitely a traditional conservative, and I can discuss those principles all day if you want to. But the party, the actual party apparatus, is something that concerns me deeply. And so while I'm a conservative, I'm loosely affiliated, loosely connected uh, to the Republican Party. I really think of myself more as a conservative independent. There's a growing number of us. But I want to speak to those who are perhaps in the valley of decision when it comes to Trump. A lot of people in Congress, Senate, listen to this podcast. A lot of, a lot of official Washington listen to this podcast. I'm grateful that you pay attention. And so I want to try to talk some sense here. I am not just running from the recent indictment of Trump for the mishandling of secure documents. Uh, I consider his behavior in that to be ridiculous I consider it to have been some of the some of the this is some of the most ridiculous um, behavior by a president I've ever seen. A completely unnecessary indictment. A compl- I mean, I believe the indictment is legitimate, by the way. But I'm saying the behavior that drew it on Trump's part just completely unnecessary and petty. Uh, the FBI has now handed down a 37 count indictment in 49 pages. Photographs have been released as well. You see secured documents in in Mar-a-Lago storerooms and shower stalls. I mean, it. It's just ridiculous. And then, of course, Trump had to lie about it, and he had to brag that he had them, and so he ended up betraying the content of secured documents on the golf course and to, and to people who didn't have security clearances. And by the way, this had to do with nuclear installations and battle plans for certain countries. And um, having grown up in the home of an army officer and an intelligence officer, I can tell you these things are serious. The Espionage Act in America is a serious document. It's a serious law. And so while many people are looking askance at the FBI these days and are fairly sure that these indictments against Trump's, Trump are politically motivated, and that's there's no question that plays a role. Of course, the Biden White House is dancing in the streets. But Trump 
brought this on himself. By contrast, by the way, uh, documents were found that uh, should not have been in the home, for example, of Mike Pence. And Mike Pence said, oh my gosh, I guess my staff put them there without my knowledge and and we did something we should have done. Please come in and get whatever documents uh, shouldn't be here. The FBI went in, they got them, situation was over. Same with Joe Biden's home. Famously, uh, there were boxes of secure documents unbeknownst to him in his garage, uh, which is sometimes where you put boxes of things when you first get them before you can figure out where they go elsewhere in your home. I've got boxes in my garage right now I'm trying to unpack because I've just moved to a new home in Nashville. And all of that to say, um, both Biden and Pence handled it with character. Oops, we made a mistake. My staff apparently on moving day didn't catch that these were secure documents. They were mixed in with some other stuff. They're in my garage. Please come get them. This was a mistake. Apologize. Endure the embarrassment you know, of the press reporting it and give them back to the FBI. No indictments, no long-term damage. It happens. It's happened before. It'll happen again because it's hard sometimes to separate a sitting official's personal papers from the from the secure papers and, and things that are covered by secure, the Security Act. So all of that to say, it could have been handled with character. It could have been handled with balance. It could have been handled with judgment. Oh, but, oh no, Mr. Trump's not going to do that. So he lies, he brags, and in each instance, he's violating the Espionage Act. And now he's got 37 counts against him. And some of them, some of these counts, carry, found guilty, 20 year sentences at worst. It is theoretically possible for Donald Trump to spend the rest of his life in prison for mishandling documents which were of benefit to him at no higher level than some bragging and some boasting and some showing what he had and then being contentious with the FBI. Now, I started by saying I'm not running from him over on this for this alone, and I'm not. I'm concerned that Donald Trump is a bombastic, narcissistic personality who will continue to take the conservative movement and the GOP down with him. And I do not understand the Republicans being so wedded to him. You already have some Republican candidates who have said if they're elected to office, they will absolutely pardon Donald Trump. They've already made this commitment. There are people in Congress who are saying this is exactly what should happen. How did we become a Donald Trump cult? How did we become so married to this man? that were willing to guarantee his future pardon for crimes that had not at the time these statements were made even been fully investigated. It's crazy. It's destructive. And by the way, uh, for those in the GOP who are cultural conservatives, who are Christians and, and, and Jews and Muslims and people of faith and people who are not, for example, radically pro-gay, they need to know that Donald Trump's not 100% with him on many of these issues. He held an event at Mar-a-Lago here just recently, which was essentially a pro-gay event. Well, I mean, believe what you want on those issues. But for those of you who are, quote unquote, religious right, for those of you who, uh, again, Jews, Muslims, Christians, people who are cultural conservatives, that may be a surprise to you. You may assume that Donald Trump is, you know, right with you on these issues. He's not. And why is the GOP marrying? Why why is the GOP riveted itself to the fortunes of Donald Trump? I want to say in this podcast, and this is the strongest I've ever been, I think It's time now, 
Here we are just over 500 days before the 2024 presidential election. It's a great time early, almost a year and a half before that election. It's a great time for us to decide that we're grateful to Donald Trump, but it's time to move on. Just consider for a moment the people that we have already announced for president and the quality of them. There's Nikki Haley, an articulate, gifted woman um, who's been the governor of a state and our our U.S. ambassador to the U.N. We all know who she is. Amazing. Uh, Eastern Indian American. I mean, just would be breaking. You talk about breaking glass ceilings. Unbelievable. Chris Christie, one of the most articulate men uh, as a conservative spokesman in our modern uh, media appearances, a former U.S. attorney, uh, former uh, governor of New Jersey, articulate man, worked worked as campaign officials for both Bushes, uh, very gifted. And by the way, I think it's ridiculous that we're talking about his weight. We've had presidents who weighed over 300 pounds. What difference does it make? Are we that small? Are we that ridiculous? Is it only only women of, against whom we can commit fat shaming and body shaming? We shouldn't be talking about a person's body. Taft was over 300 pounds and, and, and did a fine job. So you, I could go on and on and on. Then there's Mike Pence. I want to tell you that I have already said on this podcast, I consider that Mike Pence is the hero of January 6th. He held to the Constitution. He resisted his own president. Uh, he risked his life. People were outside the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence, and they were erecting kind of stagey kinds of gallows. These are the same people who crapped on Pelosi's desk and stormed through the halls and uh, engaged in unbelievable violence. But Mike Pence was the hero of that day. This man's a lawyer. This man served in Congress. This man's been the governor of Indiana, uh, by the way, affecting the largest tax cut in that state's history. And he's also been vice president of the United States. And I realize that some people will knock him because he was uh, Trump's lapdog, so to speak. But we always expect the vice president of a sitting president to be be to do that president's bidding. What else do you want? You want him to be out on his or her own? No. So let's give him a chance to speak for himself in the 2024 race. I think you'll be surprised. And then there's Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis's resume, whatever you think of his personality, and I'll address that in a minute, is one of the most impressive resumes of any candidate of American history. He's got degrees from Harvard and Yale. I went to Yale Law School. He served in Congress. Uh, he's been the governor of Florida, as we all famously know. Uh, prior to that, he was a U.S. attorney and he served in the Navy. He was in the JAG Corps, which is the lawyer's unit uh, within the military. And he was assigned to a SEAL team as the lawyer, basically, for a SEAL team. This man's experienced. Uh, this man is tempered. This man served overseas in the military. Uh, this man is showing in Florida, whether you agree with everything he does or not, that he knows how to use the mechanism of government, the mechanisms of government to achieve good concerns conservative, noble ends. He's the front runner right now behind Trump. And I'll tell you what, he's a man who ought to be considered. I have a little bit more connection to him. I don't, I'm not claiming to know him personally, uh, but because I'm down in Florida week a month, many of you know, I, I'm senior fellow for public leadership at a university there, Palm Beach Atlantic University, with, which I love. Uh, and so a little bit more connection to his people, his advisors, and uh, I'm sure he and I will cross paths here soon. And then there's Tim Scott, a man who's who had success in business and served in the state assembly and then was a U.S. representative, served in Congress, and then became a senator. African-American man, very excited about what he can do, what he can accomplish. Look, these are five people who are currently running for president 
for the nomination of the Republican Party running for president in 2024. And I'll tell you what, they are good people. They are accomplished people. Uh, they are people, all of whom I believe would do a good job. Some of them have more experience in international affairs than others. But the point is, we have good candidates. We have good people. And it's the GOP's grasping of what they think is a guaranteed victory if Trump runs, the grasping of the Trump juggernaut that keeps them from recognizing these other people, keeps them from backing away of the, from the chaos and destruction that Trump does and will bring to the party and getting behind some of these people like they should. It's time for us to thank Donald Trump and let him retire from U.S. politics. It's time for the GOP to stop being a Trump cult, as it were. By cult, I only mean that you center around an object of worship. It's time for us to recognize good people are rising. We need to get behind them. We don't need to run from Trump because he's been indicted. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but we do need to step away from Trump because we know the destruction and the devastation he brings. We know that he's not much of a conservative, quite frankly. We know that the deficit was dramatically increased during his administration. We know that he's erratic on the international scene, and we know that he's not with a lot of us who are conservatives. Uh, philosophically and morally. Plus, he just brings unbelievable devastation in his wake. It's time for us to make a change. It's time for us to get behind good candidates. This election is vital. I'm not going to say what everybody says every election, which is which is that it's the most important election in American history. That That's said every single time. Every election is important. But the Biden administration has been on many fronts a disaster for the causes we care about. And I'll tell you what else, I'm not engaging in ageism. I don't think age as a number means very much, but age as a function does. You can have an 80-year-old man who functions perfectly and whose mind is good. I mean, Winston Churchill was in office when he was 80 and did beautifully. But Mr. Biden is showing signs of decline. He's showing lost facility, lost faculties. And we need to take that seriously. Plus, even if he was 26 and thriving, I disagree with much of what he does as a matter of policy. I know many of you do too. So think about this, those of you who are conservative. Think about this, those of you who are in the House and the Senate. Think about this, those of you who serve in D.C. and are part of the campaign apparatus and things of that nature. It's time for us to make a calm, grateful, moral change and turn to some of these other fine candidates who are ready to become the conservative champions. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, the Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.